Greetings, Earthling. This is Fantastical Truth from Lorehaven, where we find the best and out-of-this-world fantasy fiction created by Christian creators. On this podcast, we find truth in fantastic stories, and we apply this truth to the real world our Creator and Savior, Jesus Christ, calls us to serve. I am E. Stephen Burnett, the publisher of Lorehaven, and this here is episode 22, How Do Christians Discern UFO Accounts in Light of Scripture? What you just heard in the intro are clips from U.S. Navy pilots who encountered UFOs. We will talk about those reports and other alien stories, reputable accounts, and best of all, how Christians can respond with care, with compassion, uh, with a healthy amount of skepticism, but maybe not by just throwing them out as a bunch of crazy kooks. How can we respond to this in light of scripture and in light of the fact that this world is a fantastical world? where every once in a while uh, something amazing may be going on, but we have to respond uh, with a biblical worldview. And I'm Zachary Russell, and if you've just arrived from Proxima Centauri, I go by Zach. I am not an alien or the son of an alien, but as Christians, we are strangers and aliens in this world. So today we're going to take you on a tour of Area 51 and Roswell and one of the biggest mysteries of our time, UFOs. So we've been thinking about this topic, listener, for a long, long time, for weeks now, months maybe, I guess. I don't even know what day it is anymore at the uh, pandemic. So there's a couple of big points to think about with UFOs. What I've found by looking into this is that there is an identical compulsion, I'll call it, behind UFO skeptics and UFO believers and that's a, um, a desire for clear answers or a discomfort with complex problems. This is a really complex issue. And so right away, I just want to acknowledge that this is an, this is an issue that makes us uncomfortable and there's stigma with it. And, and we joke about it and that's fine. But Stephen, one of the really interesting things I found with all this is that on one side, you've got materialists like Bill Nye, the science guy. And he is kind of on the denial side. Oh, UFOs can't be real. But who else is over there but Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis? Who's not a materialist. No. <laughs> and so, so they, this is actually something they agree on, that they just dismiss aliens as being the explanation for UFOs, but for entirely different reasons. And so uh, this, this was one of the things that got me so interested in this right away. Well, I'm all for anything that brings together materialists and creationists in a, in a common grace fashion. I kind of ship Ken Ham and Bill Nye, friendship them, <laughs> just to make that absolutely clear. Please, no fan art. <laughs> right. So then on the other side of the, the UFO spectrum is belief. And these are the folks that say, oh, UFOs are definitely aliens. 
Um, hey, I can even teach you how to communicate with them for a small fee. I've got all these books and documentaries and all this stuff, and I'd be happy to sell you. And there's also Christians on this side who say, I would gladly baptize an alien. Where I come at this is I just don't know. I'm a little uncertain. I lean more towards the belief side. But mostly, I came at this with a question. Is it okay to be curious? Is it okay to really think seriously about this and, and look at it closely? And then how does our faith play into this? So, to you, our listener, buckle up, prepare to go to warp speed. We are going to fly deep into this galactic mystery. I'm to forgive all the, the analogies, but here we go. Well, here's also why we're exploring this. And Zach was very kind. You were very kind earlier, Zach, when you mentioned that we've been looking into this for months. Uh, to be exactly correct, you have been looking into this for months and you've been delving in, uh, getting onto the Twitters and going into where it could be some you know shady places, wearing the overcoat, walking through the rain into the <laughs> UFO pub, put down your little coin on the counter and talk to the guys about the guy in the back who knows something. Again, I am having a little fun with this and we certainly will, but this is a serious, uh, in some case, belief system that people have. And then it's a haunting suspicion that others have in the back of their heads where once in the medieval period or even later, folks would suspect that somewhere out there in the woods was the realm of Fae or a witch in a castle or something like that. Or, or even after that, uh, people would suspect that there's a Bigfoot in the woods or a Loch Ness monster or a giant uh, beasts in the ocean. Now that human impulse has given way to, okay, if we've mapped out everything in the earth, except maybe the deepest mm -hmm. parts of the ocean, what might be coming at us from the stars mm -hmm. and more and more now, because it is current year 2020, which is full of all the crazy, uh, this issue about aliens is becoming a huge topic. It has been for decades, but now, now there's actual you know, legislative action going on to declassify things. The Pentagon has put out some weird press releases. And because a certain humanoid is president right now, he's been asked about UFOs multiple <laughs> times and he's given interesting answers. Oddly enough, I think he's actually been somewhat saner in his responses about UFOs than his responses <laughs> about some other things. Nuff said. We've had over 4,000 exoplanets discovered, uh, planets outside of the Earth, as far as we can tell, based on telescope observations and some math and some educated guessing. And very soon, uh, we'll have telescopes that are uh, able to actually tell us what may be on these worlds. And the ramifications, of course, are enormous. I would also add that I mean, for generations now, uh, since the uh, space flight and the nuclear tests and all that going on in the deserts of America, uh, from there has come this culture where uh, that scientific progress, the advancement of breaking records and everything, and of course, uh, space exploration rocketry all of that is coincided with the rise of science fiction at the popular level uh, going on from the 1940s and 50s so we we've had generations now almost 80 years as we're recording this of people having aliens and technology and sci-fi and space travel and interstellar realms sinking into our imagination so this is a big topic and this certainly won't be the last episode we have about it Christians should be at the forefront of these discussions. I've benefited uh, growing up from articles uh, from even the, the Ken Ham folks at Answers in Genesis and many others about uh, how Christians should think about aliens. So I've got those in the back of my head. Uh, that makes me a little bit more of, the, uh, of the, the, the token skeptic here in this discussion. It's not an act I'm putting on to be the audience avatar. <laughs> 
I have a very more, you would say, conservative approach to this, but I'm also big on imagination as well. So hopefully that means we get uh, we get our worldview evened out here, uh, some balance going on as we take a close look at all these issues, use our imaginations, but think biblically and fulfill the fantastical truth quest. So to our listener, here's sort of an overview of where we're going to go today. I'm taking the position that UFOs are real. Like they are real things that are happening. They make us uncomfortable (laughs) for good reason. And we'll talk about all those reasons. But then also, no matter what they are, there are some very fascinating ramifications, like Stephen said. And so that is why, and you'll, we'll get into this, but that is why Christians should talk about this is, is what I'm going to argue. Now, as Stephen said, that's very correct. I am. I am definitely the one that's, that's way into this issue. So I, I'm a UFO fan. I'm just going to own it. I'm a fan about stories about aliens and UFOs. And yeah, obviously the Star Trek and Star Wars and everything we've grown up with. But I, I love books and movies and TV shows about aliens. And so I'm, I started thinking, why? You know, wh- why do I like that? In case you're wondering, I've never had a UFO encounter. Okay, I'm just going to put that out there. I've never seen anything or been abducted or whatever. Okay. I have had some, I'll just say, spiritual warfare encounters, but I'm just going to shelve that for another time. I don't know that I believe anything firmly, one way or the other, about aliens, whether UFOs are aliens, but I, I'm trying to take it as seriously as possible because any possible conclusion is really interesting. Either we're going to solve a galactic riddle, like are we alone, or we're going to find out, hey, human technology can... It'd be so much more than what it is now. Or we're going to find out there is something really weird going on with humans, that there is a human psychological thing that's happening that we just couldn't have known about except for the UFO phenomenon. Or maybe this is all a big spiritual mystery. Maybe what we're seeing and experiencing is spiritual warfare. So we're going to talk about all of these possibilities. But ultimately, I am a fan of all this, Stephen, because I really like mysteries. I, I don't read a lot of mystery stories, but I grew up reading Hardy Boys, which a lot of our listeners have talked about. And this is also a weird topic. Like, no matter how you look at it, UFOs are a very weird topic. And hey, as I've said before, I'm a weirdo. Okay. I like weird things. I like weird people. And I like people that know they're weird because fantasy and sci fi, it's weird. And that's fine. It's fine to like weird things. You and I, Stephen, are not into the sports ball so much. And and hey, to our listener, we're not going to be anti-sports, but you know that's just where Stephen and I are coming from. Well, where I'm coming from is first to distinguish between UFOs and aliens. I am not at all sold on the existence of intelligent humanoid slash sentient slash morally responsible alien life. I don't find any biblical purpose or support for that kind of idea, as fun as it is for Star Wars, Star Trek, and any other alien positive science fiction. I don't hold that that is presumed real in reality. UFOs, though, I am at worst agnostic, and at best, I would just say, oh yeah, there's there's definitely UFOs because they're testing stuff, and you know, one uh, one arm of the government doesn't know what the other one is doing. Uh, I don't automatically throw up my hands and say, I don't know, therefore demons. I don't go for Nephilim uh, uh, ideas. Uh, several people, uh, even uh, with whom we spoke and whose books we've recommended, you know, go a little bit more in that direction of, oh, who are the sons of God in Genesis 6? And what are their powers? And what about the spinning wheels that Ezekiel <laughs> saw? And 
you know, some of that cool stuff that you know, would seem to lend some kind of support for freaky signs in the skies uh, based on what the images uh, we see in scripture. That there, though, that, that, that doesn't appeal to me uh, as much to try to figure all of that stuff out. But I would say my guess is, is that whatever people are seeing, whether it's a scam or uh, some kind of, uh, yeah, some, you know, a model that someone hung in front of a camera and then they found it later on in his attic in Florida or whatever, <laughs> you know, or, or some kind of human technology that we don't know about, but that uh, Air Force pilots saw. And then someone else tried to hush it up. I would say that if there is like satanic conspiracy going on, then <laughs> that is probably at least at first in response to the mystique mm. over the topic. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Certainly scripture doesn't say that demons have the power to project holograms or something like that. But we do know that spiritually Human hearts are, of course, uh, the cesspool, especially apart from Christ, uh, the origin of sin, the, the, the devil or demons can enhance or tempt in some way, uh, but they are not the source of that. Zach, though, when I was a kid, the aliens idea was, was bad. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was like morally suspect. Like, you, you shouldn't, uh, I don't think I was ever taught this, but at least the idea that I caught from somewhere, the, the moral meme was is that if you have a story with aliens in it, that's probably not a good story. Uh, mm. There was actually the Fifth Adventures and Odyssey VHS tape had some aliens in there, and I, I thought, <laughs> oh no, Odyssey, Odyssey is lost. Odyssey's lost. Nothing uh, safe. <laughs> no, no, the the liberals have won again. Nothing is safe. Uh, there was also the the one thing I remember thinking about this topic was there was a '90s toy commercial for i think it was actually action figures based on the movie aliens which isn't for kids by all accounts Uh, all i remember is all they did you know because it's the blue background and there's the blue table and there's little boys with their blonde 90s haircuts you know perfectly white blonde hair blue eyes they're playing with their uh, aliens action figures and you just hear this uh, chorus of announcers say aliens (laughs) and then stock soldier action figure x voice says they're unstoppable (laughs) <laughs> but we got to give it our best shot. <laughs> that to me just stuck in my head. It really means nothing here, but I thought you'd like to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's, do you want to move on to our concession stand? Some more yeah. important things to know. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've talked about this. You, you and I grew up very differently in very different kinds of churches, and that's all good. So I, I did not grow up with any sort of Christian stigma about this topic. I've, I've kind of come more into that just because I've, you know, started going to I wouldn't say fundamentalist, but just more evangelical conservative churches as an adult. I went to good churches when I was a kid, just, just took a different take on a lot of this cultural stuff. So yeah, yeah I lean more towards the possibility that they're real. Again, I, it's, it's hard to get around some of the ramifications. So here's kind of my concession stand though. We, we've covered all the, where do we come from with all this, but let's just talk about the topic for a second as part of our concession stand. So this is a huge topic. We, we could probably do 10 episodes on this because this has been going on for 70 years. Okay. There, there have been UFO sightings all the way back to world war two and, and shortly after uh, all the a bomb tests. So there, there's just way too much to cover in the 20th century and even part of the 21st century. But uh, you know, as you mentioned, Stephen, there are reports all the time. There, there's Reddit channels, there's uh, websites, there's Twitter accounts that just every every single day is documenting UFO stories. You mentioned you know people putting something in front of a camera. Well, I just discovered yesterday there's an there's a smartphone app that uses augmented reality, kind of like the Pokemon app. 
So you can you can take a picture or, or a video, and it overlays like glowing orbs in the sky, and it actually is very convincing. I I saw something on Twitter that it was very well done this way, but we're not really going to get into all the hoaxes and stuff like that. We're not going to get into the ancient aliens theories. We're not going to get into crop circles. We're mostly just going to talk about the events uh, surrounding the U.S. government. So so pilots from the Navy, from the Air Force. And other just sort of like official accounts, uh, because now the U.S. government has officially released UFO videos, and this, like you said, the Senate is considering how to mandate a sort of reporting system about this. So it, it's getting very official, which is uh, very fascinating to me. After after seventy years, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I again, I should say there is okay. There's Project Blue Book, which I won't go into all that, but. There has been official government investigations into this, but now it's becoming a lot more, I don't know, public or credible or I don't know how to say it. But, but here's kind of the second thing is that the, the UFO community, from my perspective, doesn't have a lot of Christian voices, a lot, a lot of Christian discussion going on. And I'm still kind of on the outer edges of it. But at the same time, it's been very welcoming to me. I'm, I'm, a very, I'm very openly Christian with, with people I've talked to. And so that that's also kind of cool to me. There's two people in particular I just want to give a shout out to. One goes by the nickname UFO Jesus. <laughs> His uh, handle is Post Disclosure World. So he runs a really cool YouTube channel, Twitter account, and he he really just really pushes the case for you know government disclosure. Another person is Tim McMillan. He's written a lot of UFO articles for Popular Mechanics, and I've, I've gotten to know Tim a little bit more and, and had several conversations with him. He has taken the approach of, an, of a police investigator, because that's his background, and he's very familiar with all the ins and outs of government laws in, in, in the Pentagon, all of their policies. So follow Tim McMillan on Popular Mechanics for... Just the very factually driven, very legally driven technical analysis of this whole phenomenon. Well, like that you said that he emphasizes where human psychology comes into play there. That's where I get on because I'm, as as a biblical Christian who's interested in how people think and the imaginations that literally change our brains and change our hearts, especially when we dwell on them, where you want to handle the, you know, the claims and the government and all of that, you know, I'm interested in how people respond to that, which leads to our final series of concessions there, acknowledging that this topic does bring with it many, many dangers. I'll refer back to our episode about uh, the spiritual warfare and the place of uh, Frankie Peretti's novel, This Present Darkness. There was so much good stuff associated with that novel where people were becoming, first, they were just enjoying a great story from a master of uh, fiction telling there, but they were also becoming more aware of the power of prayer and the necessity of you know, thinking about spiritual warfare and the existence of real spiritual powers in reality. Here, though, there's some crossover where if you delve too deep into the secrets of the enemy, like a certain white wizard of Middle Earth we might <laughs> reference there, uh, you may actually end up becoming far too obsessed with this stuff, with what's behind the veil, with the secret knowledge. Even the idea of conspiracy theories can actually lead to a form of Gnosticism where you become the person on the inside who has become enlightened. You have the secret knowledge and everybody else, uh, just the, the, the plebes out there in the public, uh, they don't know what you know. You have achieved that enlightenment. A lot of UFO theories, of course, directly contradict scripture. 
I mean, they represent a religion that is opposed to Christianity. There's the, the ancient aliens idea. And of course, there's the whole mythology that these are beings, if not from other planets, then they're from other dimensions. And right there, you've crossed right back into Frank Peretti style channeling. Uh, he didn't make it up. He just observed that people from the New Age movement, so labeled and otherwise, actually do want to contact other spirits from another dimension. That is grade A, don't do it, witchcraft, all cult, Deuteronomy 18, forbidden paganism. Don't do that. That is dangerous stuff. Jesus is the final prophet. It is he whom Christians follow. We rely on his word. We are not supposed to be trying to get in touch with deceased relatives or spirits or devils or aliens or any of that stuff. All that paranormal stuff may be fun to think about in a fiction context or even wonder how what people believe in the real world. Uh, but Christians should be rightly wary of that stuff or that entire cottage industry built around uh, the UFO research or experiences. If you get curious about that, just please be careful. The Bible, the gospel yeah. is what defines our reality. Any of this stuff, we ought not to be too flippant about it, especially because very serious people are researching this and otherwise serious people are buying into even the false religion part of it. Christians who are so equipped and have spiritual maturity need to get in there and get their hands dirty because there are real souls at stake. But only do that if you are pretty sure that you're mature enough to discern the difference between the darkness of alien cult-like beliefs and the light that can only be found in the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and Stephen, I, I think you really hit on a clear point that the topic itself could be entirely neutral, but it, it's how humans come into it that can actually cause problems. There's a famous example of this. Um, I believe this happened during, during or after World War II called the Cargo Cult. It was this very isolated island with very primitive people and these cargo planes were flying over it. And the people there had never seen technology at all, much less airplanes. And so sort of came to believe that these cargo planes were gods. There are UFO analysts that say, well, maybe that's where all of our religions came from, that we saw UFOs a long time ago and people just kind of made up religions to fit that. So yeah, you, you really have to be careful with this because it's not even what the objects are. It, it's how we respond to them that's important. And I, I mentioned abductions, which we're not going to go into, but a fascinating thing that you can that you'll find about certain abduction experiences is people have said get away from me in the name of Jesus and the alien goes away. And this is not just Christians saying that, by the way, that, that is non-Christians that have noticed that. And so that's kind of fascinating, but <laughs> too much to get into. Yeah. Well, I would not rule out in mean, those accounts. I remember Gary Bates has some mm -hmm. of those accounts described secondhand in his book, uh, Alien Intrusion, which, which I have read at least twice, I think. Mm. Uh, I've never talked to him about it. Uh, I think that you've done more of that research but he he did mention those accounts and when i say that okay you know i think that maybe it is um people responding in in spiritual ways to you know maybe real life sightings of technology and stuff like i would not rule out in some cases you know demons actually manifesting mm -hmm. you know, to to people and i mean we're not told in scripture that demons can cast holograms or make it look like spaceships are in the sky but we're not told that they can't or that people can't just be very deceived already uh, but in that case, I would wonder then, I mean, what is it during an abduction scenario or whatever that drives them to try out the name of Jesus 
especially because in some cases in scripture, someone who just tries that, you know, tossing it around at the demons, you know, it doesn't work. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a madman in the book of Acts, you know, who, who like, what are you, know you talking about? about? Yeah. Okay. I know about Paul, but who are you? And then he just busts them up some. So yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be interested to get into some of the stories in an, in a future podcast for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I love Gary's approach, which is, hey, let, let's let's have compassion for people that have experienced this. Let's have real Christian love for people. So, so I just want everyone to hear me, you know, clearly. I I just I love everyone in this community. I have my own take on it, but let's let's dive into it. So, so here's our first point: UFOs are real, what, what real somethings, <laughs> and they are under official investigation. Right. I'll agree. UFOs are real. Of course, I've seen some of the videos. I've seen them all my life and some have been shown to be hoaxes and others don't have any answers to them. The videos that I find most convincing are the ones that actually are released by a branch of the U.S. military, where there is more incentive to uh, hush that up because it sounds crazy than to actually take it seriously. So, Zach, that's where I ask you, especially because of the uh, the videos that were released uh, earlier this year, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, what lately has been happening in the UFO world? What has your research turned up? And how is this not just a uh, conspiracy stuff, you know, the secular or non-Christian equivalent of, you know, finding a demon in every bush or, you know, finding evidence of Satanists uh, sacrificing a goat in the woods or something like that? How, how is this different and why should we take it seriously? Yeah. So ever since December 2017, when there was this groundbreaking New York Times article there has been a lot of very serious coverage of a government program called AATIP, A-A-T-I-P, stands for Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program. And this was a branch of the, uh, let's see if I can get the acronyms right, O-U-S-D-I, the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. This is part of the Pentagon. I think it had a connection with the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is like the Pentagon's CIA. Again, this is not my forte, but what this mostly covered was military encounters with UFOs. And since that time, there have been three videos of Navy fighter pilot encounters with UFOs that have been officially released by the Pentagon. So it was sort of leaked in this 2017 New York Times article. Uh, One of them, interestingly, has been on the internet since 2007, unofficially on the internet. But now in April, the U.S. Navy has said these are real objects. They are unidentified, officially unidentified aerial phenomenon. So they've come up with this new acronym UAP, unidentified aerial phenomenon. And the interesting thing there is just that that word phenomenon. We don't know what it is, and and it's interesting that it say aerial. It's not aircraft. And so here's why: these aren't technically flying objects. This is a big point uh, Tim made to me. These are objects with no wings, no propellers, no jets, no rockets, <laughs> no exhaust. Uh, so how in the world are they flying? That They're capable of extreme velocities, extreme accelerations. I think it's like in the hundreds of Gs. And, it, and they're hypersonic velocities, I think like 13,000 miles an hour. And they also can hover. So you know, and we're talking about anti-gravity. They seem to be physical objects. And, and here's the claim. So if you watch all the Navy videos, which we'll link to in the show notes, these objects were seen on visual, they were seen on infrared, they were seen on radar, and they were seen by pilot eyeballs. 
So there, there have been multiple pilots in, in the same encounters that have seen these objects. The most famous of these is what's called the Nimitz encounter. So the Nimitz is an aircraft carrier and it, you know, and that's part of a battle group of other destroyers and, and, uh, submarines and ships. In 2004, uh, a number of pilots encountered this object called the Tic Tac. So there's a pilot by the name of David Fravor. He's been on all the news networks. He's been on Joe Rogan, a lot of different podcasts. And he was the commander of an air wing. So it was um, him and his uh, weapons officer and another pilot and her weapons officer went out to investigate one of these objects. And he saw this thing that was like flying around like a ping pong ball. And uh, had all these characteristics we've talked about, but it, it literally just looked like a flying Tic Tac. So then another pilot went out and shot the video that that was then leaked in 2007. And again, you can watch it below. You can watch it on, find it on YouTube really easily. Um, there's a great documentary that has been put together called the Nimitz encounters where it, it uses kind of CGI to sort of recreate this, but it has like all the pilot and Navy testimonies in it. The interesting thing is that it started out with the Princeton seeing these objects on radar coming from basically outer space all the way down to the ocean, super fast. <laughs> and they thought, you know, and you know, this is kind of what you mentioned earlier, Stephen. They thought this was just a glitch. You know, they thought, oh, well, that can't be real. You know, that, that we, we know what real is. There's no such thing as this sort of thing. And then they decided, you know, maybe we should look into this. So again, just these are people that are very skeptical. These are people that you wouldn't leap to the UFO conclusion because you could lose your pilot's license, your top secret clearance. And that's what got me so interested in this is because I've read all the stories of people that, you know, say they met an alien or saw UFO, but these people in the Nimitz encounter this is like the last thing they ever wanted to be known for. And, and several of them have not officially gone on the record. They, they have like secondhand accounts that have been relayed by others, but these are very, very serious people where there is a ton of stigma. So Zach, would you say that the folks who are forced into reporting these incidences, are they what I would call functioning materialists? Like they might believe in, you know, spirituality, or they may even accept the gospel or some variant of Christianity, like particularly if they're in the U.S. military, but are they working materialists? Like, wait a minute, this can't be real because I know what real is and real is defined as materialism. And I don't expect something out of this world or extraordinary or, you know, metaphysically impossible to break into this physical universe. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know what all their you know, religious beliefs are, but I know that the encounter seemed to give a lot of them a sense of shame, uh, like a sense of, wait a minute, I, I, that shouldn't be happening. And, um, I'm, you know, really confused now because I, I'm seeing this thing on radar. I'm seeing this thing with my eyes, but that thing shouldn't be there and that it shouldn't work like that. And so there's this sense of kind of disbelief that goes with it. Again, I've listened to tons of interviews with these people, and they're all just very, um, I've heard the term just salt of the earth, just ordinary people. And, and here's the reason why I, I focus on this Nimitz encounter a lot, is all these people are still alive. And, and a lot of them are on Twitter, and I've, I've talked to a few of them. And they've been on, again, all kinds of documentaries and stuff. Everything I can 
find about them is they're all just very normal people. They weren't the um, the men in black, in other words, that go out to try to find aliens. They're just doing their jobs, and then these things show up. So my application here is that before we see this as just you know the the UFO conspiracy, uh, crazy YouTube channel, crazy overnight talk radio cottage industry. Uh, you have to cut through that. You have to cut through all the, the media haze around it of this alternative and possibly, you know, anti-Christian UFO, mystical, new age, uh, aliens come to visit us and let's uh, channel them type stuff and, and actually get to the original accounts in order right. to respect and show compassion to the people who have made these reports or seen these uh, phenomena in the first place. Yeah. And one of the Navy guys from this encounter, he, he wasn't a pilot, but he was on the, um, the radar ship, the Princeton. He said something to the effect recently of, Hey, all of us <laughs> that were involved in this encounter know each other and we're connected and we talk about it all the time. Um, but it took a long time for them to break their silence about it. It might be something they would have shared at a party or over a beer or what have you, but it, it wasn't something they wanted to be known for, but now, now they are known for it. And, but it, it took a long time for them to, to get there, to even want to talk about it. And again, that was really intriguing to me. These are not, you know, they didn't want to go on the speaking tour, the book tour, whatever. Right. They just want to get on with their lives. And another big thing has popped up since then. So by the way, the Nimitz encounter is one of three videos. The, the other two are from the USS Lincoln in 2015. And the pilots in those episodes encountered one was like, it was like a flying box inside of a flying sphere. It was like some kind of weird spherical object. And another one was a, um, it, it looked like a, like a flying saucer, to be honest. And it like rotated around in, in a weird way. And, and those pilots have, they've been in interviews now so some of them, a lot of them do not want to be known for this, but there's That's also how been, I'd feel. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The other thing that spun out from this is the gentleman that was in charge of the ATIP program is named Luis Elizondo. And now he has joined a private enterprise called to the stars Academy or TTSA. And that is led by <laughs> someone you would never guess. It's Tom DeLong, who is the lead singer of blink 182 and angels and airwaves. Apparently Tom's had a very like a lifelong interest in, in UFOs. And so this came out during the election, Stephen, Tom DeLong had meetings with John Podesta, who was Hillary Clinton's chief of staff. He has a, a longtime interest in UFOs and he had a connection with Harry Reid, who, who is the Senator, um, one of three senators that started that a tip program like 15 years or 10, 10 or 12 years ago. So this came out with the WikiLeaks that Tom DeLong had a meeting with John Podesta and some Air Force generals. And then he got connected with uh, Chris Mellon. Chris Mellon was like one of the top people at the Pentagon for intelligence. Another person named Steve Justice, who is the, the top guy for Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. This is like their next gen aircraft program. And then this really interesting person named Hal Putoff who has done a lot of top secret science stuff for the CIA for decades and a lot of paranormal stuff too, which again, whole other topic. So this, this, uh, company TTSA, they actually help put these videos out and then they are the driving force behind a history channel show called unidentified. And, and they're sort of the, um, I don't know what you'd call it. I wouldn't say the public relations arm, 
the Pentagon has their own public relations arm, but TTSA is trying to bring this into the public sphere. So, you, so if, if you look into this at all, you're going to run across these guys. I, I haven't spoken to any of them, but I'd, I'd love to at some point. You know, it all kind of centers on this guy, Luis Elizondo, who is the guy in charge of this sort of secret program. And he said, hey, there is a lot more than these three videos. He said the Nimitz encounter is kind of the gold standard because of how many types of evidence they have for it. But man, there's been some absolutely mind-blowing stuff since all this, Stephen. The U.S. Navy filed a patent for a triangle-shaped anti-gravity aircraft powered by superconductors. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah. And now the U.S. Army is working with TTSA on this cloaking technology for their tanks that supposedly has been derived from UFO crash debris. I I think I'm getting all that right. But, you know, this kind of goes to your point. So what was this all just kind of secret? U.S. tech that was being tested, and now it's kind of you know now we're going to mass produce it. This is number one of many possibilities. This is kind of the this is actually Bill Nye's explanation. So this is kind of where you go with this, right? It is because I know that at least uh, going back for the last century or so, with the increasing size and complexity and incoherence and oft incompetence of the U.S. federal government. And of course, international visitors, yeah, we're from the U.S., so we're going to emphasize a lot of that. <laughs> uh, it's a big place, and the government is a mess. It's, it's not a, a nice, small, clean operation like you have in socialist Sweden or something like that. Uh, note, my, note my sarcasm there. Uh, those, those folks are a little bit more, uh, have a lot more in common with each other than the U.S., which is very sprawling and has a lot of different interest groups. So... That is reflected at the federal level. So I say, okay, you've got maybe one arm in the government that doesn't know what the other one is doing because it's gotten buried in a mountain of paperwork. And, you know, one person has a different agenda, is in touch with different private interests. And then you get all the private interests who are trying to do these technologies. And uh, at that very top level, where there's, you know, more experimentation going on, it just makes sense because it's happened before that uh, the federal government or the spy agencies or whatever have stuff earlier before we do like you know wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. if they had smartphone technology in the early 2000s for example i'm just i'm just making this up i haven't seen anything and this Mm -hmm. is not my normal reading material so at least that makes sense and and part of me of course the imagination part of me uh would love the idea that we actually have some kind of semiconductors or some kind of gravity repelling technology at least in an early stage of development, because I would love to get that by the end of this century. Imagine, oh, yeah. imagine the possibilities Heck for yeah. space travel <laughs> and just plain earthbound transportation, where we actually do get those efficient, you know, mass-produced uh, flying cars, and you know, just are able to repel the natural limits of Earth's gravity well. That simply, and we're already seeing stories about potentially real alternative methods of propulsion for rockets like you know the plasma engines and things like that i would love to see progress being made on that stuff so there's some wishful thinking for my part that this is just technology that's getting out there preferably on the side of well i mean not the absolute good guys but maybe better in some of the other nations i'd I'd rather that we have it first just it's the it's the lesser of evils there you've also got you listed here like okay this could be like a government hoax like but to what end i mean maybe mm-hmm. you can say more about that or, or some of these other explanations here all of which by the way are very materialistic explanations uh in, in a good way but 
I, I would say could distract from the possibility of, you know, actual spiritual deception going on. And the fact mm. that, Hey, the Christian pragmatist should say that if we are being interrupted in our lives, our very materialistic by the numbers, uh, pragmatic lives by an unknown, uh, CS Lewis called that the sense of the numinous, which can be a very good thing. Like if, if someone says to you, Lewis wrote, if someone says there's a ghost in the next room and that whatever little chill you feel there, Lewis said, that's the sense of the numinous, that there's an unknown, you know, whether it's mystical or spiritual or whatever, but the idea that there's something you don't know can crack that materialistic facade. And I think is a healthy thing. What we do with it afterwards may not be healthy. So I'm kind of divided on these materialistic uh, or, 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 you know, non-supernatural natural explanations for these these phenomena Mm -hmm. so i'll give you an escape hatch right here please do one of the guys in the nimitz encounter his name is patrick or pj hughes so he was the technician for the e2 hawkeye it's like a radar plane it looks it has like a giant disc sort of thing on top that's like the radar equipment so according to his testimony after this, you know, tic tac encounter, the Hawkeye came back, and all of the people—he wasn't on the Hawkeye, but his friends were, and you know, his guys he works with—and they were all made to f- sign a non-disclosure agreement. And apparently, they got really, really close to this tic tac, and they had very advanced radar and other electro-optical sensors, whatever. So they, they got a very, very close look at this thing. As soon as they get back. They had to sign an NDA. Well, why? Mm. You know, and then according to Hughes, some uh, two people came on to the uh, ship from a helicopter and they had flight suits on, like maybe their Air Force or, or something. And they took all of the sensor data that had come off the Hawkeye, which, which that was his job to be in charge of that. So he had to hand it over to them and then he never saw it again. So according to him, he thinks 60-40, this is American tech, that it was being tested by whoever in the, in the military or, you know, Lockheed Martin or, or something. So a lot of these guys lean that way. They think, you know, this is probably just our own tech. We're testing it out. It's just, it, it's so extremely classified that we just don't see it very often. Well, that's, that, that goes back to, to the the whole culture from which this has arisen in both the real world and in the fiction world, starting with the nuclear testing in the desert and the flight testing in the desert all at once, that whole uh, origin of government secrecy and all of that. And of course you mix in the Roswell incident and everything. I mean, all of that is feeding this in both the real world and in the fantasy uh, versions of that is that, okay, government has its secrets. You know, government was working on the nuclear bomb for a while, and then suddenly, oh, it's real in a very terrifying and disastrous way. And people debate that, the use of that to this day. Uh, that part is real, because history has mm-hmm. proven that government will work on stuff, secret projects, and have NDAs and all of those different uh, political entanglements. I mean, we know that's real. So that has precedent. It's not just that we make it up and actually government is super transparent about everything all along. And, yeah. and the fact that we have even some legislation by uh, hopefully serious legislators to open things up a little bit more, at least so they say, 
uh, th- that is an encouragement to me because I would rather at least hear about some of this stuff and, and put some of it to rest, bring some kind of closure or at least some kind of clarity to the issue. Especially if this is next gen technology that could benefit all of us. I mean, imagine being able to fly an anti-gravity airplane with no whatever inertial effects. You know, like in Star Trek, how they just fly around at warp speed. And yeah, inertial, kinda... inertial dampers, yes. Well, inertial, even, yeah. at, even, even at full impulse, they have to have inertial dampeners. And whenever you see that they get hit by a phaser or something, uh, they, you know, they're bouncing around in their chairs. So, well, even that has an in-universe explanation. Uh, a shot like that will wreak havoc on your inertial dampeners. Yeah, so that it would be great to have all that available to the public, but you can kind of understand if it's military that they want to keep it very, 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 very close for strategic advantage. So that leads to the second point. Maybe all of this is foreign tech. So maybe this is a Russian plane or a Chinese flying saucer, or it's some other kind of foreign tech, like some elaborate uh, hologram system. And there, there are some serious theories about this. Tyler Rogaway, who runs or as part of the guys behind the Drive website, it's like a military aviation intel website blog. They've put forward this theory that th- this could be what's going on. There, there's some good reasons to believe that could be the case. Of course, uh, you know, then that starts to get kind of disturbing the more you think about that. Do we really want to get comfortable with the fact that? Our foreign uh, adversaries have way more advanced technology than we do. You know, we we think we're the top dog in the you know in the airspace and under the ocean, whatever. Are, are have we fallen way behind these other countries? You know that that's a little disturbing to think about because we, we're used to being the superpower. Yes, there there is a a possibility that this is all you know hoax by the CIA or something. I I don't know why. I almost think that's more of a conspiracy theory in some ways that they just want to deceive us. I don't know. I'm not really going to go there. There, There is sort of a third category of, of someone who owns this technology, like a human technology, which is like, I'll just call it the Bond villain <laughs> approach. Now, I'm not talking about Elon Musk or someone like that, but just someone that's completely unknown that you know has billions or trillions of dollars to himself or to his little company and they're developing this secret tech for whatever purpose and just flying around for joyrides or whatever. And I say Bond villain because this has been the, this was actually the plot of one of the more recent Bond movies. Um, I can't remember which one. I don't know my Bond villains movies, but again, this is, that's also kind of disturbing. You know, this idea that there's this unaccountable, ultra superior military force out there that answers to no one, like sort of like Blackwater, the disgraced uh, mercenary company. Hey, it's a possibility. I I don't really like that possibility though. (laughs) I'll just be honest. So let's talk about the alien ones, Steven. So here we go. One aspect of the alien ones is, Hey, these are just biological aliens that need physical ships and they've flown here for some reason. You know, maybe they're here as like scout ships. They're checking things out. Maybe they're just uh, teenagers out for a joyride, and hey, let's let's go scare those humans a little bit and have some fun. Maybe they are just anthropologists and they're studying us. Maybe they are interfering with us in some secret way, like you know the lizard people scenario. I would say it's if it's aliens, it's probably more likely to be a machine civilization. 
And that's because, again, these objects that have been captured on official U.S. Navy radar and infrared, they are going at extreme, extreme Gs that would kill anyone that was in, in, unless there's, again, inertial dampeners or something. It, It seems more likely that they're drones if they're alien. That that's one theory. Another theory is that these are humans, but from the future, and they're coming back in time to study us or whatever. And actually, there was kind of a funny meme this week that it was like it went super viral, which was all of the weird things we're seeing this year are time travelers trying to fix 2020. And so, hey, you were wondering where the murder hornets went. Well, that was the time travelers. Uh, you you can think the time travelers, except then they accidentally caused coronavirus or something. <laughs> Right, which is why you should not mess with time uh, and respect the limits of the Lord of time, which is, by the way, I think is one reason why we don't get time travel that doesn't align with what would have already happened anyway. Yeah. Another alien hypothesis is that they are spiritual or interdimensional beings. These aren't physical ships, but they're manifestations of something. There's a, um, a French UFO researcher by the name of Jacques Vallée. And that was his theory. He he was actually in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mm. um, playing someone similar to himself. He he thinks all of this alien stuff is that that they are like Decepticons. They are here to deceive the human race and, and mess with us somehow, and that they are manifesting in these different spheres, orbs, discs, tic tacs, whatever, for some nefarious purpose. We, we've mentioned the possibility these are demons or, or maybe they're, they're angels. I don't know why. That's certainly a possibility. Hey, we know those exist. You know, we, we know that there will be signs and wonders preceding the second coming surrounding the reign of the Antichrist. Maybe, so here's a big Christian theory, Stephen. I, I forgot to even put this in our notes, but you and I are both familiar with this. Maybe all this alien stuff is how Satan is going to explain away the rapture. <laughs> I heard that one. Yeah. Well, yeah. in the Left Behind series, that's they they gesture vaguely in that direction. That, oh, it's it was UFOs what done it, and that's kind of the end of that. Uh, whereas at least back then, when I was reading the Left Behind series, I remember thinking, you know what, I would have done a little bit more with that. You know, I would have uh, would have enhanced the world building a little bit there, and uh, and made that uh, more of a more more of a uniform explanation. Because as it was, the explanation for the rapture was was kind of lame. But then there was also a bit of a realism for that too. Is that people would just not want to talk about it and and would move and would try to move on because the media would move on, especially if the Antichrist buys every single media outlet outright, which is a silly idea, frankly. Uh, <laughs> looking back on it now, twenty five years after the novel released, he doesn't have to buy everything. All he has to do is to get trends going. Or maximize on the trends. Uh, humans are notoriously fickle, and we prefer being distracted over uh, over actually being deceived. Uh, yeah. So there's one other possibility, and this is kind of where I lean. If it's anything, if it's not human, if it's not a mirage, if it's not demons, if if it's some kind of aliens, well, I'm a creationist. I'm, I'm not necessarily young Earth or old, old Earth, but I I believe that God created everything divinely. So if there's aliens, he created them and he has some purpose for them to be here. I think it's possible that some of the plagues that we see in Revelation could be an alien race. And here's why. 
whenever Israel was judged, whenever they were punished, it was by an outside nation that would invade them or take them into captivity. Uh, Revelation is the account of God's judgment of the whole earth. So it kind of makes sense that he would bring in beings from another planet. (laughs) Again, I'm not not necessarily saying this is what Revelation is, but it, it sort of makes sense to me. It, Revelation, one of the plagues is a falling star that opens the key to the abyss. And then there's these things that come out and they torment people. And oh, so it's alien creatures. Yeah. If, if you, and my disclaimer there, my, my brief concession stand would be that Christians have different views on the book of Revelation and, and the idea of apocalyptic literature, which is the genre that Revelation is. And it's not very well understood 2,000 years later unlike the genres in the Bible of uh, poetry or you know, literary philosophy or epistles or gospels, Revelation stands alone in the Bible. And so it gives us lots of fits. And on a good day, Christians of goodwill will have all kinds of fights about it. As a Left Behind series fan, though, I've kind of drifted toward the idea that apocalyptic literature would have a lot of symbols and ideas that may not be completely non-literal, but if the author intended it to be symbolic, then it's it's no great spiritual step to say we got to take it literally like no actually if you're going to read it according to what the author meant mm-hmm. then you need to read it as symbolic so i really want me some demon locusts from revelation 20 <laughs> uh they are freaky they're the one of the best fantasy creatures from the bible and i, oh, yeah. I apart from the part where they are biting everyone who is not sealed by the son of God, which sounds terrible. And then you suffer for five months and don't even get the luxury of being able successfully to kill yourself. They're awesome, except for all that terrible torture stuff. (laughs) However, there's also the possibility that those are symbolic. I mean, there's some wild imaginings going on here, which would not bother me if it does turn out to be a facet of apocalyptic literature that they're not meant to be literal, but for the sake of the fantasy side of me, uh, yeah, I I would like it to be literal just because it's kind of cool. There is one reason why I lean towards this possibility. And it's because there is a apparent connection between all of these UFO encounters by the military with nukes, with, with nuclear weapons, with nuclear tests, with nuclear Howard. I see you favor uh, the George W. Bush uh, pronunciation. Nu- nuclear. Yeah. Nu- 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 <laughs> nuclear warfare. Nu- nuclear te- there are nuclear weapons and they are terror. I, I can't get past my Texan accent. So nuclear. Nuclear. <laughs> just say new clear. It sounds like uh, you're advertising a skin cleanser. <laughs> I'll just say nukes from now on. So there was an article recently by Tom Rogan from uh, Washington Times, I think. And he pointed this out, that there is a connection between UFOs and nukes. And when you know it, there's a book called UFOs and Nukes. I just started reading it. It's by Robert Hastings. And this is a person who has interviewed 150 Air Force veterans that have worked at uh, nuke missile silos. There, it's just, it's, this is so weird, Stephen. There have been reports all over the U.S. of UFOs, like flying saucers, Tic Tacs, whatever showing up at these missile silos, turning off the missiles. Ding, 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 ding. The aliens are good. They're trying to save us from ourselves. <laughs> we would have destroyed ourselves yeah. in a Holocaust, a Cold War gone hot. 
30 years ago, if not yep. for the intervention of these magnificent beings who are so much more highly evolved than us. Is that where some people take it? I already know that's where some people yeah, take it. That, that is where the author takes it. But these are real things that he's used the Freedom of Information Act to get the official reports declassified that, that cover this. So again, whatever, this, whatever these objects were, whatever these incidents were, they were real encounters that happened. Here's where it gets really weird, though. This has also happened in Russia, except it's gone the other way, that they've turned on the missiles, and then they've had to, they've had to turn them off. Bad aliens. Bad. <laughs> they're, Russian, they're Russian aliens. They're, they're, Rus- <laughs> they're, they're colluding with Russia. <laughs> this is the part where I get flippant if I'm not careful. This is all very serious. Sure. Nuclear yeah. weapons and nuclear weapons are very serious thingies. Yeah. and. These UFOs have showed up at A-bomb tests in the late 1940s. They've showed up at missile silos as recently as 2010. And this whole Nimitz encounter, the Nimitz is a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. And so was the USS Lincoln, where the other ones come from. So what in the world? Like, Why would these incidents happen around these areas. Now, now again, here, here's where we get to some really disturbing possibilities. Disturbing possibility number one is these are aliens that are coming to figure out our strategic capabilities so they can wipe us out. So they can turn off all of our nukes. We can't fight back and they're just going to obliterate humanity. Okay. That that's the sci-fi movie, you know, storyline. Okay. Uh, The second possibility is they're, they're our saviors. You know, they're going to come in, Save us from nuclear holocaust. That, that's Robert Hastings' view about this. They're, they're going to lead towards a, a nuke-free future, which is what the UN wants. Boo. Everyone knows that the only way to a nuke-free future is having Superman, there played go. by Christopher Reeve, round up all the nuclear weapons in a big old net and then throw them in into the sun. The sun. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, not Underrated canon. movie. Not, Underrated. Oh, no, 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 no. Now we really need to disagree. You can think all you want about uh, aliens actually bringing the revelation plagues instead of angels. However, I will not at all endorse, not, not even to uh, gussy up the memory of the late Christopher Reeve. No, Superman 4 is dreadful, dreadful. It doesn't exist. What were we talking about? Even the Star Wars prequels are better. Yeah. Here's the disturbing possibility number three is that all of the people we've put in charge of our nukes are crazy. <laughs> all hundreds of them have some kind of psychological flaw that makes them susceptible to hallucination or brainwashing or mind manipulation by Russian spies or, or something. Well, if we learn anything from the Silver Age of comics, it's that radiation does things to you. Right. Gives you powers or drives you crazy, turns you into a supervillain with an elongated head. Yeah. And so on. So I, I you know, again, you can take whatever explanation you want. It's, it, it kind of, it disturbs you. At the same time, though, so here's where I'm going to close out this first section. No matter which possibility you lean towards, and in some sense, this doesn't really affect our daily lives. You know, there's no flying saucer at the Smithsonian Museum. There's no alien ambassador center like in the TV show V. There's no alien technology you can go buy at Best Buy or something. There, there's no... Um, <laughs> There's no like public outreach program by the aliens. So it's all very hush-hush or, or secretive or mysterious or non-important in a way. To your point, Stephen, of like you can, you can go down the rabbit hole and think, oh, everyone has to know this. 
like this is going to change everything. Well, it, except it really hasn't changed everything. Who knows why it's so elusive, but it is elusive. It's, it's not something that really intrudes into our lives unless we allow it to. So you have to kind of hold that in balance that it only affects you as much as you allow it to. Some people in the UFO community will probably get mad at me saying that, but it's true. It, I didn't really know this stuff until I paid attention to it. It, it didn't reach out and grab my attention and not let go. I had to actually look at it. But again, I'm a writer and that's part of being a writer is, is the writer doesn't look away. You know, the writer looks into things, you know, in, in, in terms of what is in the book, it, it makes you face things. And so I really wanted to face this and see what is going on. So let's go to our second section though, Stephen. Yes, indeed. This is more interesting to me uh, while, while I, I enjoy hearing about all the details and the names and all that. And by the way, Zach, if you get one of those wrong, we're going to get letters about this, <laughs> which you know is possibly true, not just pronunciations and stuff. But I think of all of our episodes thus far, nearly two dozen at this point, this may be the most detail heavy episode that isn't uh, inter, uh, interacting with theology and such, you know, and even when we're quoting uh, from literature and stuff, we're open to correction about these things. Mm-hmm. But, of course, a lot of this is expressing a particular opinion about this. And feel free to push back on that, oh, listener, um, at the comment section or email podcast at lorehaven.com or whatever. Uh, however, we, you know, we don't intend on becoming the uh, Ancient Aliens uh, Cottage Industry podcast either. <laughs> so you know, there may be a limit as to how much we interact about this. But the part that I want to emphasize, at least from my perspective, coming at it as a, uh, as a UFO uh, positive but alien agnostic at best a skeptic at worst uh perspective uh, i'm interested in what all these details and theories point toward the human condition what do all the the ufo uh, accounts uh, the the alien stories and the cover-up narratives what do these reveal about the human heart and that, that's our second point it'll probably take a little quicker to get to but i think is more essential particularly as we evaluate the human condition Presuming that we are, each person is, a unified being of spirit slash soul and body. We're not just materialists and we're not spirits having a human experience locked inside these corporeal forms to be set free at some future time, possibly with the help of aliens. God has made us to be this kind of being and we have a problem inside us, a, a parasitic condition, as it were, called sin that renders us spiritually dead apart from Christ's redemption. So what do these accounts say about our hearts, about our spiritual condition? Yeah, so we've talked about UFOs being alien invaders or maybe alien saviors. And depending on how you look at it, these accounts, these stories, it reveals our deepest fears or our most hopeful dreams about human society. So at the outset, we are people that are pattern seekers. We, we don't like unsolved mysteries. We like certainty. We're dealing with the unknown here, and the unknown is disturbing in and of itself. We, we want certainty because being out of control is scary. Not knowing what's going on is not fun. <laughs> Again, all, all those people in the Nimitz encounter, they, they weren't having fun the more they thought about this. This was not something they would want to encounter because of how much it upends 
a lot of fundamental assumptions that we have about the world. So we, we have to remember that God is the one that's in control. And again, that's, that's my message to everyone in the UFO community. You know, if, if you believe there's a God, trust that he's in control. These aren't surprises to God. What, whatever these things are, he, he knows exactly what they are. Again, there are a lot of people that push for government disclosure, which is a good thing. I think facts, truth, it's all, those are all good things. But I don't have to sit back and wait for that to happen to feel comfortable because I know that God knows what's going on. And maybe God tells us, maybe he doesn't. <laughs> Part of that is, I think, the dilemma in all this, Stephen, is that we're kind of left guessing from scripture what's real, you know, wh- whether these are real or not. There, there's not a lot of solid evidence one way or the other you can point to at scripture, at least in my opinion. And hey, this is something we can rejoice. Ken Ham and Bill Nye agree on something <laughs> Yay, <laughs> because unity. of the alien topic. <laughs> this is a mystery that re- that's just seems to refuse to be solved. So we have to be wary of easy answers. And again, I, I sort of poke at Ken and Bill here, and, and I, I poke at some other people, but this isn't something that we, we have all the facts on yet. There, we, we can't really come to a place of certainty right now. And you know, it's for that reason that chasing UFOs is sort of a faith journey for a lot of people. It's like this wild adventure. We don't know what's going to be at the end of it. I think for a lot of people, UFOs are a disturbing topic. And and again, this is whether you believe in them or not. And it's for a very simple reason I learned from a, a TED Talk by a professor named Alexander Wint. And he has this, he calls it the theory of sovereignty. He says that our underlying assumption is that man is the highest sovereign on the earth. And if you're an American, America is the highest the mightiest force on the earth. So aliens automatically, like categorically threaten that sense of sovereignty. So we kind of don't want to look into it. We, we do want to just dismiss the idea because if we're afraid of what we could find out, if we find out aliens are real, because then that would upend sort of the food chain that we see ourselves on. Now there's a lot of crossover between that of how we approach God. I don't mean Christians, but just all of humanity. We approach God in a similar way. It's uncomfortable to think about God because we're talking about a being that that doesn't answer to us, that has way more power and intelligence than us, that has always existed and will always exist, that will judge the world that we're accountable to. And so, Stephen, this is what's so interesting to me. Is it the same impulse that's behind uncomfortableness with aliens is sort of the same Romans one, you know, suppressing the truth reaction that the natural man has towards God. Do you, do you kind of see that connection there? I do. And, and the, of course the, the opposite side of that is also hinted in Romans one, where it talks about people who are experiencing a process of moral decay and therefore exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. In this case, it's not someone who's worshiping a particular animal that's on earth, but in general, folks are worshiping created things or the idea of creatures. Some translations actually say the creature. Uh, Just this idea of an unknown entity could fulfill that warning in scripture is that if you're if you're rejecting God, then you're going to go after something either that's really created by God or that you imagine to exist. 
And that's, that's another warning that we see in Romans 1, which fits with our concessions earlier, that it can be very dangerous to go down this trail because, of course, particularly with the internet and, you know, with all of the influences from fantasy and science fiction, like, and when coupled with the sexual revolution, especially, you see, at least in some of the scarier portions of fan art. Now, we love fan art and cosplay and all that, but people who are, let's just say, sitting around and indulging or exercising their imaginations a lot will, come, will, will go a little too far with the idea of making up creatures. The worst part, I think, is when they are making up creatures for themselves to be. And it's at the exact intersection of the alien idea and even the old idea of, you know, mythical fae in the forest or something. Like, I'm not imagining this creature to uh, enjoy the thought of who this creature is. I'm imagining this creature as if that creature is a projection of myself. Like, mm -hmm. I can shapeshift. I can define myself. I, I can, you know, I, if I'm locked inside a body I do not like, then I can imagine that I have a tail or different anatomy and now that's where it gets really scary and and really spiritually hazardous uh, mm -hmm. for for a person. So I think I got off on that idea of the creature. Man, that is actually another podcast all on its own. We're gonna have so many spinoffs for this particular pilot <laughs> here. It's another one of the many dark rabbit trails uh, in or the rabbit holes into which someone can descend uh, into a particular kind of spiritual darkness as a result of a, a disordered heart. And Christ's the only hope to try to set us free to accept who we are, whether or not he's made other creatures in the universe, who, by the way, would be amazing. And then we'd get to argue over whether or not these creatures are you know, corrupted by sin and represent the groaning creation of Romans 8, which I think they would. And which is why I don't think that there's any sentient ones out there. And Yeah, well, and you bring up a great point. It's really hard to square the idea of alien beings with the Bible. No matter how you look at it, it you have to jump through a lot of hoops to try to make it fit. Now we say alien bees, you're talking about, you know, the, the sentient, the, 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 you're right. Yeah. yeah. Cause I'm, mm. I'm thinking, I mean, it could be like a, a Targ from Kronos, the, <laughs> the Klingon home world. Like I'm, I'm okay with finding a Targ out there yeah. or, or some kind of uh, animal that would seem to be extinct on earth. It was still out there somewhere. And I would just, I would trouble. Okay. Yeah. Well, God put that there. I was like, <laughs> okay. God made that a, a fungus, a microscopic life form, something like that would not bother me. And I think it would have bothered me before mainly because I'd gotten a hold of more culturally conservative content about the subject. But what really would bother me theologically is the idea that, oh, there, there are humanoids out there or tentacloids or whatever who can, <laughs> you know, who are gifted with uh, thought and, and moral reason and who are therefore morally accountable. Uh, that would wreak havoc with Christian theology, and I can't see any way around that. Mm -hmm. But a creature... Oh, what's the phrase? The, the Nefeshkaya creature. It has a breath of life in it uh, out there or, you know, breath of uh, whatever else they breathe on an uh, alien planet. That, that would not bother me if it's not a morally responsible uh, creature. Yeah. So I'm going to recommend a book right here. It's, I've got it right here in my hand. It's Science, Religion, and the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence by David Wilkinson. Wilkinson is a professor in theology and religion at St. John's College in Durham University. So I read this book a couple of years ago, and he documents all throughout church history what church leaders have thought about alien beings, extraterrestrials, whatever. You know, we've given it different names over the years. And so it's a really good book that 
shows you a lot of different Christian perspectives on this. Because yeah, there, you brought you brought up one very particular perspective, which I've I've studied from Ken Ham, Gary Bates, and others, which is well, if aliens with a moral conscience exist, then that conscience would have been corrupted by sin. But Christ died for humans, and He cannot die again. Therefore, aliens would be doomed to damnation, and God wouldn't create beings that he would just condemn, and so they can't exist. And so I, I think that's the argument. Well, the, the argument, too, the, the added point there is that Christ incarnated as a human. Human, yes. yes. Christ's plan, although the universe is fundamentally God-centered, it is about God being the hero, Christ being the hero, not, not humans. You know, we're, we're not at the center of the universe spiritually even more than we are uh, geographically, but Christ's incarnation is once for all. He did not shed his body on the way up at the ascension. He is God-man to this day. The hypostatic union is eternal, is what theologians, uh, theologians call that. Uh, Christ is, uh, as much as we like the idea of Aslan, he's not actually going to go off to another dimension and incorporate or uh, incarnate as a lion, as the king of beasts. Uh, he's, he's locked in. And that's good, and we want that. And he is he is a human being, the last Adam, the top man forever, the king representing the human race. He's not going to do the same thing uh, for the Klingons or some tentacle species or anything like that to save them from their uh, fall redemption narrative. So goes that idea. And I honestly, I don't see any cracks in it myself. Mm -hmm. You might, and I don't know how far you want to go there, but that's that's my. Mike Dropper uh, argument about the idea of there being morally accountable sentient aliens in this universe. So my take on this is if, if they exist, it's something of a Romans nine scenario where he created some vessel, some vessels for wrath and some for mercy. <laughs> yeah, we, we get it, we get into some so they can't really be redeemed deep... so so they can't be redeemed at all then and that's yeah. the point then well mm, that's kind of calvinist of you actually <laughs> i'll just yeah, go and say and, it and i'm not saying that in a bad way because we know yeah. that fallen angels don't have a salvation path now, right do they yeah right. and, so and by the way listener i'm not a calvinist but i look i think that makes sense or at least it, it would it makes logical sense with this idea but let me go to our, our final point here in this section which is that I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but this more fundamentalist view, okay, uh, this more fundamentalist response to the idea of aliens, reportedly, this is what a lot of Pentagon officials hold. And okay, this is secondhand. This is none of these guys have gone on record. But according to Luis Elizondo, who was the the head of the ATIP program in the Pentagon, the, the, the official UFO hunting program, a lot of pushback came his way from his his immediate mentor supervisor and his uh some of his colleagues there they did not like him looking into this they they really thought there there can't be aliens and so what you're looking into is demonic and that's going to wreak havoc on the pentagon and so they they apparently caused him a lot of grief he's mentioned this several times in talks he've he's given and the reason i bring it up it's not to it's not to take a side here. It, it's to make you aware that this is a big debate. And Elizondo has said he's a Christian. And so it, it's interesting that he kind of came out on a different side of this. He did not seek out this UFO program. It was just kind of given to him. So he, he was put in a, in a weird place with all this. But it, it just illustrates this fact that Christians should talk about this. 
you know, that, that we should think about this. Look, every time one of these stories hits the New York times or Fox news or CNN, it is gigantic. It gets everyone talking. And, you know, we've got all these telescopes, like you said, Stephen, we've got all these telescopes up there. We're finding all these other planets. Who knows what we're going to find on these planets, right? We're going to find out really, really soon. So my, you know, my emphasis is let's talk about it. Let's think about it so that we can be prepared to talk to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our relatives, to our friends uh-huh. who, who may not know the Lord or might be curious or maybe they're kind of burned out or, or, or maybe they're very fundamentalist, you know, whatever it is. I, I think it's, it's a, it's a topic worthy of exploration because of how serious the ramifications are. I, I was talking to a friend the other day that said, look, I don't want to go too deep into the alien topic because ultimately it it's going to reinforce these Darwinism ideas. And I just don't accept Darwinism. And so I, Hey, I respect that. But again, it, it just goes to show that it carries a lot of weight one way or the other. But um, yeah, do you want to say anything there? Absolutely. Well, first, we have a T-shirt in the in the Lorehaven store, uh, lorehaven.com slash store, uh, which uh, we'll mention a little bit more later. It says, he made the stars also, which is the Bible's understatement of the centuries there is that Christ, just by the way, made the stars. The creator just tossed that out there as a bonus <laughs> feature. Well, we don't know what else is going on out there and you think about it though it, because the creation account and i do read that as poetic and literal at the same time because what else are you going to describe literally in genesis 1 but also with poetic flair as the creation of the universe one of the greatest miracles ever of course if you think about it uh, the, okay so earth undergoes a six-day creation process capped off by a seventh day of rest what then would an earth-like planet undergo you know, mm-hmm. does all that get uh, thrown together into day four uh, when he makes the stars also, you know, that it that leads to some questions then, even if you're talking about Earth like planets, which there are a bunch of those out there uh, that uh, at least the, that so goes the theory. But the um, that idea of the Pentagon officials being influenced by when you say fundamentalist, we want to be really clear and say that. That's cultural fundamentalism, you know, right. uh, the, some of the stereotypes are true, you know, like the KJV, you know, pianos and organs in church, you know, some of those <laughs> traditional things. And God has done mighty gospel work through those cultures and through the people that come out of them. And a lot of them are very traditional. And so therefore it makes sense to me that they end up in uh, high ranking offices in the U S military because they're, they're very disciplined. Like that's their gift. Uh, they're very, you know, God and country focused. Mm-hmm. And so just to hear that that is happening makes me realize that it can have possibly a suppression effect there. All it takes is one general rolling his eyes to shut down mm-hmm. the entire method of inquiry. And we know from other examples, some of which have been, you know, uh, blown out of uh, moral proportion by a reactionary media, that there are military generals who believe in, like, you know, particular views of Israel or the end times. Mm. And although I'm sure that because of common grace or special grace, they would take steps to make sure that, you know, they're not making uh, unwise military decisions based on their beliefs and how things will play out. Like, I mean, a bias is a bias and, and you might just be swayed in that direction. Like all of this, I'm just theorizing just based on general observations about human nature. So your point, about being open about this topic at our level, at the Christian popular cultural level, is so vital for the glory of God. I, I always break it down because I have stuff to say about popular culture and what Christians do with it. 
I have a three-part division there. First, we do this for the glory of God engaging popular culture uh, with an eye toward holiness and being like Christ. And secondly, we do it for the benefit of others. People in your church, in your circle of friends, and even your family, whether they're crazy or not, might be really curious about this stuff because God gave us imaginations and God gave us curiosity. That is okay. If, if that troubles you or something, then just think about whatever else you think that people ought to talk about more often in church. Previous generations, well, we've overdone it now, but previous generations would say, well, we got to have some more talk about sex around these here parts. Uh, pun mm-hmm. <laughs> original, unintended there. And, 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 and sometimes that goes too far, especially if you, you stick it up you know, with, with dumb mega church sermons or you're you know, actually putting a bed up there on the stage or something. Like, you know, we, we could go too far with this for sure, but maybe not from the pulpit, but we've got to have those conversations, you know, have fun with it. But be serious as well, particularly when you're dealing with hearts, because if you mm-hmm. don't have those conversations, then you will push it out to the fringe and the bad guys will want to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I can compare it again too. like if a parent has a teenager who's struggling with their identity uh, as, a, as a boy or a girl or you know, whether or not they like boys and girls getting a little deep in the weeds here, but you've got to have those conversations openly and with compassion and yet with biblical mm-hmm. firmness in the family of God. And then the third territory there is just what you said there. This is a missional issue. Uh, you're already doing the little micro missions there, engaging with some of the folks who uh, are, are in these, uh, these circles. And God has called us into every culture like that. If we can speak the language and not be you know, overly tempted uh, to compromise the gospel, then this is a place that Christians who are so called need to go for the sake of our neighbors, because otherwise they're going to be lost into the weird religion stuff. Even the serious people who want to seek out the truth are going to get dragged into the bad UFO cult. Let's go channel the demons type stuff. If for no other reason, then they have nowhere else to go. No one else is going to welcome them in. No one else is going to love bomb them. And you know, I imagine there are some people who've gotten involved in the cults just for that very reason, because cults are pragmatists. Our cult leaders are pragmatists like, hey, if it's angels you want, great. We got some of those. It's the 90s. Uh, we're all about the angels. If it's aliens you want, hey, you want to talk to one? Uh, if you're suffering grief, bet I can help you get in touch with grandma. Cult leaders, they'll get to you. Christians need to get to people first. You know, not, not just to get people, but in faithfulness to God by obeying his great commission. That's great. That's great, Stephen. So let's go to our, our final section here. How do alien stories, popular sci-fi books, movies, TV shows, how do these stories lead us to confront eternal realities? Well, this is a fleshing out. I accidentally just set this up of how do we do that? If we are mm-hmm. engaging with these materials, whether it's the nonfiction or fiction accounts in popular culture, or even increasingly at the, at the government level, you know, open for more of us to see or the popular culture adaptations mm-hmm. of that. And of course, each one informs the other. You know, how do we do that? How do we engage these discussions uh, with, uh, with an eye toward the human soul? Well, I, I was going to mention that there's this great quote from Shannon McDermott, who writes an article on our blog, specfaith, speculativefaith.lorehaven.com. And she says, quote, the only thing more appalling than vast, unfathomable spaces is vast, unfathomable emptiness. We can't imagine that all those galaxies are empty. And by empty, we mean empty of beings like us, end quote. And this touches on the, um, 
the Ellie Arroway character quote in the movie Contact by Carl Sagan that, you know, if there's no one else out there, it seems like a giant waste of space. You know, that's kind of the secular argument. And, and Shannon really touches on that, that we, you know, we don't like the idea of emptiness and loneliness and that's, but you know, she later in the article says, you know, we have to find that, that fellowship in the Lord and, and with each other, these stories that we tell ourselves and each other about aliens, it really shows, it, it really resonates with that, that sense of aloneness that I think a lot of people feel. And, that, and that's what draws a lot of people into these, these stories is they want to feel like someone knows them, that there's someone out there, you know, that can understand them. Alien sci-fi, there are so many great truths that we can find. So the first thing that we can find with alien stories is that humanity bears the image of God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm, and I'm thinking here of like, Stephen, like alien invasion movies or, or even just Vulcans and Klingons is that you learn, you learn the uniqueness of humanity through alien. I'm talking about fictional stories now. These stories explore what's unique about human nature and how we have the image of God. I think the second thing that fictional stories remind us of is that there's more to this universe than just the earth, right? Humanity used to believe that everything revolved around the earth and then we discovered that's not the case. And then we discovered we're not the only galaxy. (laughs) And there's still kind of this view sometimes of people that think, well, maybe the Milky Way is the center of the galaxy. I don't know, but it's not all that's in the galaxy. (laughs) And we find out through alien stories that there is a higher power than humanity. Again, this is something we don't like. This is disturbing, but you've talked about this before, Stephen, with like the Godzilla movies, the, the monster movies show us that there are, there are greater powers than humanity. And that's a good reminder. Right. Cause, Cause we think of ourselves as on top of the throne of everything. Right. Oh, absolutely. And the, the last one I really liked uh, Godzilla King of the monsters actually has, uh, I mean, the newer Godzilla movies cast Godzilla as this ancient alpha predator from Earth. He's not created by nuclear tests, uh, as in, I understand, the older, mm. uh, the first uh, Japanese Godzilla movies. You know, he, he's actually a natural part of the Earth, and, and that is assumed by the story to be a good thing. And then in uh, the last film, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, it is uh, Ghidorah, a three-headed uh, uh, creature who's actually an alien from space and is presumed an invader who doesn't belong here and is cast by the story and by its symbols as a, kind of a devil-like figure, a, a lightning creature that fell to Earth, literally, as represented uh. through primitive artwork and such. Like, you can actually hurl lightning. So huh. you know, the parallels are overt. Like, okay, no, Godzilla isn't Jesus, you know, even though Godzilla has a bit of a hero's journey in that movie. But the, the ultimate point is that, yes, there is an ultimate frightening power that might kill you, but you nonetheless need to get on the side of this superpower and getting on the side of this beast is the right thing to do is what the story presumes. Hmm. And, and some, some, I mean, I guess it then counts as a bit of an alien invasion story there, but with a twist because mm-hmm. it's, it's creatures who are actually on earth. I, I'm not sure if I've seen a, an alien parallel. Uh, but if it existed, like that would be a very interesting uh, way to approach that, that eternal reality. Yeah. The TV series falling skies goes into that where, where there's a, a multitude of alien invaders that sort of take different sides in this battle on the earth. And so, yeah, so that, that's interesting. Godzilla is sort of a guardian figure and you know, that, that brings to the point that 
in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To me, that's what a lot of these stories do is they remind me like, I need to stop thinking of myself or humanity as the ultimate power in the universe. Right. Like, again, not saying that aliens are our masters or something, but it just reminds us. It just kind of puts us in our place a little bit. And then, like you mentioned, you know, there's this giant battle between Godzilla and um, what was the other creature? Mo- not Mothra. Uh, Ghidorah. Yes. Ghidorah. That reminds us that there's going to be a future cataclysm, you know, an apocalypse. Uh, there will be new heavens and new earth. I really love the movie Oblivion, which goes into a lot of these themes. It's really great. It's a Tom Cruise movie. You can't go wrong with the Tom Cruise movie, okay? Say whatever you want about Tom Cruise. He picks good movies to be yes. in. But the the possible existence of aliens in these stories, it it forces us to kind of take a really close look at our theology. Yeah, as we talked about, could aliens bear the image of God, be affected by sin's curse, be infected by sin, have Christ's salvations extended to them? And why did God choose us? Why did God choose humans? If he's made all these other creatures, why humans? You know, this is Psalm 8. How David says, when I consider the work of your hands, the sun, the moon, and the stars, what is man that you are mindful of him? Like this should put us in awe. Whether there's aliens or not, God chose this planet to come to, taking on the form of a servant, of a human incarnating into our flesh and blood. Why in the world did God do that? Like that should put us in awe. And so I, I love how stories really forced me to think about that. Steve Rossa has a book called for us humans. I think it touches on a little bit of this, right? It has aliens living among, uh, among humans. Yes. Right. I think we've actually, they've actually reviewed it at Lorehaven. If so, if so, then we'll have the link in the show notes for that. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I believe that, there's aliens that say, hey, hey, humans, tell us about this Jesus guy. Is it something to that effect? I, I, I haven't read it, so I don't know. Anyway, look for that listener. Let's go to sort of a different point, though, here. Just on a macro level, I just think, and, and this is a big point of our podcast, imagination itself is a good thing. And it, and it can benefit us in the real world. So there was an interesting article recently from Bloomberg. The, the title of the article was, Take Those UFO Sightings More Seriously. <laughs> this was discussing the Navy UFO encounters, okay? And the author makes the point that people that think UFOs are real tend to be sci-fi readers. And so right away, a lot of Christians might say, well, see, that's the danger of reading sci-fi. It can have this sort of negative influence on your mind or whatever. But if you keep reading the article... The, the author says, you know, sci-fi readers were also quick to acknowledge that UFOs could be Russian or Chinese, which again, that's not a conclusion that I, as a general Joe American, want to come to. I, I don't want to consider that another country could be the actual superpower, but a lot of sci-fi readers are okay with that scenario, or at least they consider it. A lot of people would just rather ignore that. But here is a really interesting thing, Stephen. The author notes that sci-fi readers were the first to take action with the coronavirus pandemic. You and I have talked about this for a long time. Um, Austin Gunderson, who's our review chief, he he locked down everything like right away. He's right up there where it kind of got started the yeah. stateside. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and here you know I'm I'm an at-risk person uh, just for some health reasons, so I locked down our family 
weeks before we had to officially. In some cases, that's that's an obedience to the proverb. And of course, as a book of scripture issues, general principles for wise living. And uh, I forget the exact verse, but it goes, the prudent see danger coming and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. So we're we're not taking a position on exactly how to prepare, but that's true. It, It takes some imagination there to practice biblical wisdom. Yeah. And so sci-fi stories really stretch our imagination and that is a that is a muscle that is strengthened for everyday use. Amen. Well, it also involves uh like you mentioned earlier about the fear and I had, I had a quick thought about that, the the fear of aliens that can be reflected in, in some responses to these accounts and of course, obviously the fear of alien invasion in some of our science fiction like that I think can be healthy. And I think if I had to pick is much healthier than an obsession with aliens as some kind of savior figure, a, a, a creature of light, as it were. Like it is far more biblical than to fear what could be coming so that you are driven, hopefully, toward the embrace of a hero. One of the reasons I love uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice so much is that terror that's hinted at the end. Um, Batman actually visits Lex Luthor in prison here, and uh, they actually use the quote that Lex Luthor has uh, in a teaser for Zack Snyder's Justice League on the HBO Max next year. We talked about that in our a few episodes ago, but it's just it, people didn't like uh, this version of Lex Luthor. I loved it just because he was so spiritual and selfish in the way that they portrayed his character. And he warns Batman that the bell has already been rung and they've heard it. In other words, it's too late. We already sent the signal out to space. Superman is dead. And he says, in the dark among the stars, ding dong, the god is dead. The bell cannot be unrung. He's hungry. He's found us and he's coming. And Mm -hmm. that just, the way that he says it and the way they do the music and everything just puts a chill in me. And, uh, of course, he's, he's talking about a DC villain named Darkseid, who uh, was the original inspiration for the Marvel villain Thanos, by the way. Darkseid is scarier, and he's more of a spiritual oppressor, and there's nothing sympathetic about him. And that, that kind of terror, I think, is healthy. Not that we believe that there actually is a intergalactic um, tyrant like that, you know, a, a satanic overlord from another planet, but that can be a healthy exercise of imagination to fear that those it's not angels that are coming from the sky. Uh, in that context, it, it could be devils that come from the sky. And if so, well, we know the one who's defeated the devil now, don't we? There, there's a whole other take on this that C.S. Lewis wrote about in his essay, religion and rocketry, which basically posits that maybe, <laughs> maybe God is saving the aliens from us. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, that's in maybe, his uh, Ransom trilogy, too, is that you know, yeah. Malachandra is kind of a spiritually neutral world that hasn't been corrupted by sin until the humans get there. And then uh, Paralandra, which is Venus, uh, even more so. So, you know, we're going to go into really briefly here some, some books, movies, and shows to recommend. Yeah, C.S. Lewis's Ransom trilogy, starting with Out of the Silent Planet, is great. Another Christian book uh, more recently that our own graphic designer JT Wynn has read is The Facade, and he recommends that. I think he said it was kind of like Indiana Jones type feel, looking into the idea of flying saucers from a very Christian point of view. It's by Michael Heiser. Um, The TV show and and book series I like, this is General Market, is The Expanse. It's now eight books and four TV seasons on Amazon Prime. 
Um, it deals with aliens. It deals with space and it, it deals with the very real flaws of humanity and how those flaws would be amplified in the event of, you know, basically alien contact. And so I've really enjoyed that series because, you know, the aliens are not the saviors of mankind that bring us to enlightenment. You know, humans are still going to human, as you would say, Stephen. Um, similar thing with Lost in Space, the series on Netflix. I've also really liked the Three Body Problem book series by Tsushin Liu. He's a Chinese author. Just to give a very different perspective on an alien invasion scenario. So those are some good books. Pandora Star, Fifth Wave, some other good ones. Um, anything come to your mind, Stephen, just book, movie, or, or show that you've really liked? You've mentioned, I mean, DC Universe in a lot of ways is an alien invasion. No, Ma- I mean, Marvel as well, the, the recent Marvel Cinematic Universe. It doesn't take much then to, you know, once you've kind of exhausted some earthbound threats, uh, the only natural direction then is uh, go to space. Find you some aliens. You know, Thanos is, uh, is appropriately terrifying, but uh, a very, very sympathetic villain. Uh, dark side coming up in Zack Snyder's Justice League uh, will not be such. Uh, he's uh, he's definitely more of a satanic figure. And of course, uh, switching back to nonfiction, um, I've also read uh, Gary Bates' uh, novel, or actually it's not a novel, it's a nonfiction, uh, a- Alien Intrusion, uh, which is a good summary of these issues and uh, I think um, fairly solid theologically as well, but uh, not above engaging with this stuff from an imaginative perspective, which whether or not you agree with him, I think he sets a good example of Christian engagement uh, while being serious, being compassionate, especially for the very real souls uh, who are at risk by some of these beliefs. Uh, but also, I mean, not being above wrapping, uh, wrapping the mind, wrapping, uh, wrapping our theology uh, around this, you know, dealing with this from a Christian worldview, which, uh, depending on where we're placed, uh, we, we absolutely must do. So to you, our listener, if you know uh, and enjoy a really solid Christian-authored science fiction novel that deals with aliens, please send it our way and let us know about it. And, and if, you're an, if you're an author, you can always submit it for consideration for review with Lorehaven. We would love to know about more excellent Christian fiction that cover these topics. But let's now go to our Fantastic Fans segment. So Stephen, we got a response from Sherry. Responding to episode 20, who said, and she says, quote, I got to the Fantastical Truth podcast through Carrie Nietzsche's post on Facebook about the episode about his book, Amish Zombies from Space. I have been binge listening to the podcast while sorting papers in my office. You have made a task I don't enjoy much more enjoyable. Thanks. I look forward to reading the magazine, end quote. Well, thank you, Sherry. We're glad our podcast could make that an interesting moment to you, and we I'm glad you enjoyed the audiobook sample from Carrie. And thanks to Carrie for providing that. And speaking about the magazine, she's referring to Lorehaven Magazine, the summer 2020 issue, which, as you listen to this, I think the same day, Tuesday, June 30th, is when we are dropping this episode. That issue should be available. Now, when I say issue, do note that, especially because of pandemic restrictions, We've not been able to put together the print edition of the issue uh, on time for a PDF version, but that will not stop us from releasing it in web-based form uh, as, with as close a approximation to the print issue as you could get. We always put those on the website anyway, uh, so you will get the entire issue there. 
cover editor's note, the 15 new reviews of Christian made fantastical novels, plus our cover story and excerpt from the guest of our last issue, W.A. Fulkerson and his novel for whom the sun sings. That's all in there. The summer 2020 issue free to download. Just go to lorehaven.com and make sure you hit subscribe. By the way, uh, just get a very occasional emails letting you know when the new issues come out and a few other events and such. We're also posting the new book reviews. Uh, actually, they're new to a mass audience because they've been previously available only in back issues of Lorehaven. Those are at lorehaven.com slash reviews. All of these are positive reviews of the best Christian fantasy, science fiction, paranormal, horror, alien invasion stories, creature stories, any wild and fantastical genre the best novels we can find there. We review them quick and easily, give you a little note about discernment and for whom this book is best intended. Uh, that's proven helpful to many readers who want to find the best that uh, Christian authors have to share. And also on our website, on the speculative faith side, the articles, we have a ton of articles about aliens. We mentioned Shannon McDermott wrote an article. Travis Perry has written a whole bunch respect faith. So make sure to go check those out. You can just search aliens on the website. And if you want to continue this discussion, you know, offline or whatever, follow me on Twitter. I go by Zachary Russell and my handle is at Z T Russell, R U S S E L L. I post a lot about UFO news, astronomy, just a lot of fun things. Again, I try to take people seriously, but I, I, you know, I have fun with this topic. I take it seriously and I, I laugh about things, you know, just because it's, it's an enjoyable topic. It's a fandom. So, uh, hang out with me there or send us your thoughts at podcast at lorehaven.com about this episode. And of course you can visit the Lorehaven store, lorehaven.com slash store. We have a variety of amazing designs for t-shirts, a few other products there put together by the designer of our covers at Lorehaven, a JT Wynn. Uh, the shirt I'm thinking of that relates most specifically to this topic is a special t-shirt that celebrates God as the creator of the cosmos. It quotes that verse in Genesis from the creation account. He made the stars also. One of the most amazing understatements in all of scripture, just exalting the magnificence of our creator, who in the space of one day, however you define that, I say it's 24 hours, through the stars out there, along with presumably any of their orbiting planets, any terrestrial body, asteroids, free-floating rocks, any of that stuff, just he made the stars also, and there was an entire universe surrounding the Earth. Next on Fantastical Truth, uh, we're going back to the realm of fantasy, and we're going to ask, what if you could turn stories into sculptures and interview the author Lindsay A. Franklin, who just completed her Weaver trilogy, it's a fantasy about a girl who can tell stories and turn them into physical objects and gets embroiled in some uh, really difficult times in her kingdom. Oh, so we're going to talk with Lindsay about that uh, with our interview in that next episode of the podcast. Make sure you subscribe at any podcast player anywhere or go to lorehaven.com slash podcast and follow us there. In the meantime, don't get abducted. Don't get too far into the rabbit hole of the alien invasion conspiracies. If you engage with this idea uh, that there could be creatures lurking out there or just some strange technology being covered up by the government, either way, see that in light of scripture. Try to discern it in light of scripture. Have compassion for people who think they've seen something or think might be something out there, but make sure that you are using any of those fears or any of those hopes to discern the state of the human heart and always, always point to Jesus who makes and made 
everything, whether or not that includes creatures on other planets, as we continue to seek and find fantastical truth.